Welcome to episode 199 of Podcateers. This week we talk about me finally doing something that was long overdue. We talk about Ready Player One and how it's getting us amped for Wreck-It Ralph 2. Plus we make some comparisons to another film in the Disney catalog. Once you listen, if you have any thoughts, please share them on our Instagram or Facebook post or on the blog post for this episode over at podcateers.com slash 199. We talk about a town that the Disney company built named Celebration in Florida. And finally, Pixar Fest is about to kick off. We talk about the new monorail wraps, what we think should be different, and our thoughts on what we think will be on Monorail Red when it finally debuts. This episode of Podcateers is brought to you with help from our podcast, Fairy Godparents. If you're new to the podcast, our Fairy Godparents are listeners just like you that help us out with a monthly contribution via Patreon. If you're interested in helping us out as well, you can become part of the FGP squad for as little as $1 a month. But if you sign up for a contribution of at least $5 per month, you will also get the exclusive Fairy Godparent button as a thank you for your support. More information and a link to sign up can be found over at podcateers.com FGP. We're working on a few new things for the FGP squad right now, and we kind of let some news loose in this episode for something that, we, that we've been working on. Okay, it was me. I'll admit, it was me. I said it. Uh, also, if you shop online through Amazon, the next time you need to place an order, please consider starting off that journey at podcateers.com Amazon. On that page, you'll find a ridiculously large Amazon button that when you click on it, will take you to Amazon using our special referral link. And when you click on it, anything that you buy during that trip may earn us a small commission from your purchase. It's a great way to support the podcast with only a few extra clicks. And if you're one of the people that's doing that already, thank you very much for your support. Online, you'll find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and on Vero. Just search for Podcateers. On YouTube, you'll find us over at youtube.com slash podcateers and youtube.com slash Disney42. That's Disney F-O-R-2. We'd love it if you subscribe and make sure to ring that little bell icon for notifications on when new videos are posted. More info on each of us can also be found over at podcateers.com team, where you'll also find links to Melissa and Gavin's Etsy shops, where you can get some great craft and art pieces. Plus, you'll find all of our personal social links as well. Let's get this podcast started. Here is episode 199 of Podcateers. This is our podcast. We're a group of friends that loves Disney, technology, art, food, and more. This is Podcateers. But there was there was one thing that I ended up getting this weekend that I thought you guys might appreciate, and it was the fact that I finally saw Last Jedi. Are yes! you serious? Yes. Yes. Finally, it's April. Dang. <laughs> I know. A little late there. Yes. Dude, I'm sure everybody's seen that. If there was a the counter, one, it was 9,999, and they were waiting for that one and me. person. You. And me. Yeah. There you now go. It finally so, turned. Bing. It's so funny because Chadwick Boseman uh, was on SNL this last weekend, and oh, he so was... Good. 
Yeah, he it was a really good appearance. And in his monologue, he yeah. was talking about how, you know, they've, there's already been Black Panther skits. And, it's only been two months. Uh, he says, look, <laughs> it's been out for two months already. If you haven't seen it, I would say spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen it, it's your own fault. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> in, in a way, I That's agree, awesome. right? We've talked about this before, that what's the time period that you normally would want to wait before you have to stop saying spoiler alert? I mean, obviously, if you're talking about like Titanic or Avatar, it's like, dude, it's like 20 years ago. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. You should have seen it already. And if you haven't, you're probably not going to. But my way of thinking is there's this whole generation of up and coming film goers that have never seen these films that are going to be watching them for the first time. And those are the people that I'm protecting. You're so good. I know. Right. I'm a giver. I'm a giver. The rest of us don't have time for that. Yeah. Come on, man. It's already 2018, bro. (laughs) Seriously. So, yeah. I finally saw The Last Jedi. I'm so happy you saw it, man. Oh, man. Yeah. I am so ready to watch it again. I know that some people are kind of torn between it, but I think that this did an even better job of setting up a new generation of Star Wars films than the last film did. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank I can you. see that. I can see that. I, I think most people had problems with the amount of humor that was in it. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think did. a lot of people thought that it went a little too silly too often. It was like Marvel. But I, feel, yeah. I kind of feel like the Star Wars universe needed a film like that. Yeah. Because it doesn't have anything that's really funny. There's a couple of funny moments scattered throughout the franchise, but mm-hmm. there wasn't a really funny one where it seems like most film franchises have either a funny segment or a funny film within them where it's like, Oh, that one makes me laugh, you know? And so on that level, I kind of appreciated it because we kind of got a new feel, a new angle from star Wars that we've never had before. Yeah. And I kind of liked it. I I liked it a lot. And then you got a lot of the sarcasm in there too, especially Mm -hmm. where uh, Luke Skywalker is involved. And I liked that a lot. You know, I would be complaining about, the overuse of the sarcasm and the humor, but I felt that it came at just the right times where it felt like it was a more organic dialogue between people. And so that I think brought a form of realism to this script that hasn't been in previous Star Wars films. So I wasn't bothered as much as other people were, but it I, I have to agree with you. It was possibly one of the funniest ones in the entire franchise, if not the funniest. Oh yeah, no, it definitely was, I think. Now, uh, I have two other films that I have to watch very soon, Infinity War and Ready Player One. Mm. Nice. Have you guys seen that yet? Yes. Yes, we have. You have seen it? What did you guys think about it? Because I love that book. Well, we haven't read the book, so we're just going off of, you know, seeing the movie. Okay. And I will say... I didn't really want to go see it. <laughs> VJ was like, let's go, let's go. I'm like, but it's my birthday. I want to choose the activities. It was a day before <laughs> my birthday that we saw it, but still. Ah. And so I was like, okay. Happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> Thank Yay. you. Yeah. Thanks for all the, the love on Podcateers, on the Instagram from everyone. Um, so yeah, so I agreed to go see the movie. <laughs> and as long as we went to Whole Foods after, which we did, so I was excited. <laughs> And the movie, I was pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed it. 
again, like I said, haven't read the book, but we really liked it. And I loved all of the Back to the Future references and... All the different yeah. Easter eggs that were... Other Easter there. eggs as well, yeah. It was so good. We really liked it. So every one of the characters in Ready Player One essentially has their own storyline and they're all in the oasis that's kind of the premise of this film right right and for those that are unfamiliar with the story behind ready player one uh it's about this kind of like genius i guess we'll call him a genius but he creates this alternate world called the oasis that's in virtual reality and all of these characters are are avatars in this fictitious world they all live in a very dystopian society and so they all jump into the oasis to escape the reality that they live in right when uh and this is all at the beginning of the book and i'm assuming it's all at the beginning of the movie so i don't think i'm giving too much away but he dies and so what triggers this entire journey for all of these characters is the fact that he hides these easter eggs in the oasis and says if you guys can solve these puzzles you will own my entire fortune and that's kind of what spawns this entire story so there's all these characters going after these easter eggs uh, but in the book it gets a little complex because each one has their own reason for doing it i i think there was a lot of people complaining about how many storylines they were that was not hard for you guys to follow and you guys kind of knew what was going on right yeah yeah um, yeah, it wasn't hard to follow, but there were some characters that, yeah, weren't developed enough so you could... Feel connected to them or... Right, because I think it's just okay. the, the two main characters. What were their names again? What's Wade. Their names? Wade, and yeah. Player one and player two. <laughs> there you go. Just kidding. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> okay, what was it? Wade and what? Artemis. That's it. But yeah, they, they just basically follow those two characters. But I wish they had a little bit more development on the others, their friends. But uh, okay, yes. I I really enjoyed yeah. it, even though I didn't read the book. Same. Was there any Star Wars references? Because I know when they were first developing the film and they were filming, they originally had a problem getting the rights from Disney to add Star Wars stuff to it. I don't remember any yeah, don't... Star Wars. I know there was Street Fighter, there was Knight Rider, Back to the Ooh. Future, um, Iron Giant. Um, Shout out to the Iron Giant. Halo, Batman. Yeah, a lot of DC characters. Um, yeah, Back to the Future. I was all about it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there was King so Kong. Good. There was, there was, there was oh, so yeah. many things going on. But it's one of those movies Dang. that you know there's Easter eggs everywhere that you're trying to watch everything and mm -hmm. it's sometimes it get, takes away from you trying to just watch the film so i think it's yeah. one mm -hmm. of those films that you just have to watch it again to be like yeah. oh there it is you know but it feels like one of those films that once it's out on blu-ray you're gonna sit there pausing every few seconds yeah. to <laughs> capture sure. everything that's right. there because the book is pretty much the same way except that now I think it's it's an overload of those visuals, right? Because mm -hmm. you can only go by what's written when you're reading the book or you're listening it through Audible. When you have the visual behind it, they can sneak all sorts of things in. But if anything, like with watching Ready Player One and seeing all those things, like basically everybody in the internet, it kind of gets me more yeah. excited for Wreck-It Ralph 2 
because yes. there's going to be so many visual yeah. things in it, like we already saw in the trailers. So uh-huh. just uh-huh. trying to follow all that, you're like, oh, what's going on? I'm going to have, I need chameleon <laughs> eyes. <laughs> See, that's, and I think that's interesting because I, I think a lot of people were a little disappointed with Wreck-It Ralph because it kind of lacked a lot of those like iconic Easter eggs. There was a couple moments where you got to see some iconic characters, but it didn't really feel like they were really, you know, loading us down with classic arcade characters. And, you know, it was kind of like, we're going for certain games, but we're going to create them ourselves and, you know, show you new characters. And I think with this internet version, which, I mean, it's clear from the trailer that we'll probably see a lot more references and actual characters and iconic things. So yeah, I, I, I'm totally pumped for that, but hopefully they can get more of that into Wreck-It Ralph 2 like they're doing with Ready Player One. So Easter you know, egg season. Wreck-It Ralph holds a really interesting <laughs> place in our current generation as kind of being the Roger Rabbit of its time, trying to bring all of these franchises together and trying that. to put something that's watchable you know, out there. And in a way, I feel like they succeeded mm-hmm. with what was available to them because since Roger Rabbit, we haven't had any other film... And I thought Ready Player One was going to be that film. And until I watch it and we figure out what some of the Easter eggs are, uh, it might be, right? But Wreck-It Ralph is really, I think, the one that was poised to be kind of that next Roger Rabbit type film, right? That's a good comparison. I like that. It is. I wouldn't have thought of that. I, I, I think it'll be much more so with this second one. Just based on what we've seen in the trailers, I think it definitely is going to have more of a bridging effect of you know, these obviously Disney characters, but then outside of Disney as well. <clears throat> Although the thing I am most excited to see is when they go see all the Disney princesses online. That's yeah. going to be amazing. <laughs> I'm excited for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if you guys are interested in listening to Ready Player One, boy, do we have a deal mm-hmm. for you. If you don't have time to sit down and read a book, Audible is definitely the way to go. I have been an Audible subscriber for over a decade now, and I have just loved the service because when I was a kid, I used to love to read, but as I grew older, you know, the whole dad thing happened, the whole adulting thing happened, and sitting down to read was just something that became more and more difficult. Uh, Before I worked at the place that I work now, I used to have a three to five hour commute on a daily basis. And so Audible and podcasting became the top two things that I did. And Ready Player One just happened to be one of those books that I listened to on my way to work. It was an amazing experience listening to Will Wheaton read that book to me as I was in my car. It was like Will Wheaton and I were connected as one. So Will Wheaton, if you're listening, please come on the podcast and talk about how you're awesome. And yeah, so if you guys want an opportunity to listen to Ready Player One, head over to audibletrial.com slash podcasters. You'll get one free month of Audible and one free book to try out the service. If you decide that the service is not for you, cancel before the end of those 30 days. But that book is yours to keep. If you've already read or listened to Ready Player One because somebody let you borrow it, but you want to start your own Audible trial, uh, there are Walt Disney mm-hmm. books. You know, there's books about Pixar, books about Steve Jobs, 
Bossy Pants by Tina Fey, which is one of my favorite books to read, is also on there. So again, audibletrial.com slash podcasters. And, you know, let us know if you guys get a book. Tell us what you ended up getting. And if we've read it, we'll have this like mini discussion yeah. about it. So question about about it. Like since you've been a member for like 10 years, um, do you is it like a podcast that you're listening to or do you get to is the book downloaded also so you could basically follow along with your tablet or so audible when it started off was its Mm -hmm. own company you know what i just logged into my audible account and i just saw when i signed up i've been a a listener since 2005 snap wow (laughs) yeah i'm looking at my at my account right now so audible started off as its own company Right. right and Several years ago, Amazon purchased Audible. And the greatest thing that they did was they synchronized it with something called WhisperSync. So if you have like a Kindle or if you have the Kindle app, they give you a discount to purchase the physical book because there are still people that like to read the physical words Mm -hmm. in front of them, right? So if you own both copies, WhisperSync will sync the book to where you last left off in Audible through the app and through the Kindle app and stuff like that. So it's really cool. You can pick up between the two. If you read through the book, the Audible app will pick that up and ask you, do you want to start where you last left off in the book or do you want to start where you last left off in the audio book? Oh, that's cool. So I think that's a really cool feature. But you don't get them for free. You do have to purchase the physical, like the ebook, separately. But if you own the audio, like the Audible version, you do get a discount most of the time on the ebook. Good to know. Hey, since we're plugging stuff right now, can we plug Team Boat Willie? Team Boat Willie. In case you guys don't know, uh, Team Boat Willie is our charity group. We started it, officially we started last year. But, I mean, we've been talking about this for a couple of years now. It was a tongue-in-cheek comment that my brother made where we were trying to do, you know, some charity work. And he said, yeah, you know, we should name it after Steamboat Willie, but we'll be team boat <laughs> and i remember the day that he said it he kind of blew That's my mind genius. and ever since then i know ever since then that name has been in the back of my head last year we decided to officially kick it off by raising money for chalk which is the children's hospital of orange county every year they have what's called the walk in the park and it's presented by disneyland so you get to walk through the park while you're having fun seeing characters music is blasting there are thousands of people there to raise money for the children's hospital in our first attempt we raised uh, about five thousand dollars which was just uncanny for us because all we wanted to do was raise enough money to cover each of our registration fees which is about 85 dollars per person but it blew us away that we had the support of the entire pocketeers family out there just supporting us helping us spreading the word and we have officially signed up to do the chalk walk for 2018 yes Mm -hmm. The Chalk Walk is going to be happening on August 13th, and there are a couple of different ways that you can help. Obviously, you can be a part of Team Boat Willie, which would be awesome. Last year, we had an amazing time getting together, walking through the park, singing Disney (laughs) songs, getting together for breakfast after. We gave an award to our top fundraisers. So shout out to Fairy Godparent Albert, who raised, uh, I, I want to say he ended up raising almost $1,000 on his it own. It was a lot. 
It was was great. It was really amazing to see just how the community came together. And this year we're going to be giving away an award again, you know, for our top earner. Gavin says that he wants to take that award. I'm gunning for it. He's officially put Albert. Yeah, he's officially put Albert uh, on check for that one saying, (laughs) look, this is me. We'll see what happens. But, uh, again, there's two ways to help. You can either go to TeamBoatWilly.com. Willie is W-I-L-L-I-E. That will take you to our landing page, which will give you a little bit more information about Teamboat Willie and a link to either register for the Chalk Walk and be a part of our team or to make a donation. Either way, we would appreciate if you can help us blast out the link to everybody that you know, post it on your social media, Twitter, Facebook, tell people on Instagram. It would help us out a lot. We want to try to beat our record from last year. It goes to an amazing organization. They have helped, you know, members of our family. Uh, and so uh, I love what they're doing. I love the fact that we get a chance to walk through the park. So Team Boat Willie, Team Boat Willie, Team Boat Willie. Pretty glorious. It's one of my favorite parts, walking through the park yes, uh, last year. It's awesome. Yeah. You know, learning about the Disney community, learning about Disney history and and all of that is super fun for me because I feel like, I mean, we've said this before, I'm not a historian, right? I don't pretend to be one. I just, I read a bunch of stuff and I can recite some of the things that I eventually learn about what I'm reading. You're not a historian. You just play one on a podcast. (laughs) I just play one on a podcast and very poorly, but I play one on a podcast and I don't know exactly how this fell under my radar. This last week, I came across an article that was talking about this movie theater that's been closed for about 10 years and what's going to happen. And it's in the square that they call downtown. And it was about this little town in Florida called Celebration. And I had never heard of Celebration before. And I remember bringing this up to you guys, and you guys were like, you don't know about celebration. You're crazy. You don't know about life. How do you not know about celebration? <laughs> and so uh, for the for the people that don't know about celebration, AJ and Gavin, I know you guys were, like, really going on about celebration because you guys have visited, I think. I think, AJ, you said you visited. Tell yeah. us a little bit about this little town and why it's so significant to many members of the Disney community. All right, so uh, in the mid-90s, the Disney company was a very different company. Michael Eisner was at the helm. And as we all know, Michael Eisner was all about expansion. And one of the things that that him and his team wanted to do was a master-planned community in Florida. You know, kind of branching off from the idea that Walt originally had about Epcot which was, you know, this kind of master plan designed city, you know, with all the modern technology or even, you know, super modern technology beyond what we know today. And it was going to be kind of like this utopian idea of what a community could be. Well, as we know, sadly, that never came to be because of Walt's death prematurely before Walt Disney World ever began uh, its creation. So, you know, the idea kind of lingered in the company and they kind of reinvigorated it or or regenerated it with this idea of a town they wanted to build in Florida near Disney World. And that became Celebration Florida. 
And, you know, technically it's not a town or a city. It's not incorporated, but it's just a master plan community uh, with, you know, a little downtown district with shops and businesses and restaurants and things like that. Um, they have um, their own utilities, which are run by the Walt Disney World utility companies. Um, so it is kind of run by Disney. Even a lot of the, the internal administration of the master plan community, they call those people cast members. So there is very much still a, a Disney element about it. Um, and so it was, it, they broke ground in 1994. And I remember hearing about this in magazines like Disney fan magazines back in the early 90s and seeing articles in business magazines about this new town that Disney was building. And there was a lot of hype about it, a lot of big news. And, you know, people were just insanely excited about it and the idea of this you know living in this utopian world that disney was creating and you know they built it and it happened and and then kind of the world caught up with the idea of you know master planned communities and towns and what works and what doesn't work and while celebration is a very beautifully designed place in most aspects. Uh, I, th I think a lot of people feel ultimately it still is kind of just a facade and it's kind of a manufactured or um, what's a good word to say? Kind of like a, just a mirage of, of what they expect. You know, it's this kind of, it's this new urbanism trend in architecture in towns where they're trying to make everything quaint you know, it, a lot of people describe their downtown area like Main Street USA in Magic Kingdom. Mm -hmm. And, you know, while we love going to Main Street USA and just reveling in the nostalgia and the, the beautiful charm of it all, when it comes to living in that space, people start to refer to things like Stepford and Pleasantville and, you know, things like that. And uh, I heard a lot of references to The Truman Show. I don't know if you guys have all seen that Jim Carrey movie, but it's yeah. kind of a manufactured town, you know, meant to fool one person that he's living in a real place. And, you know, so it, it, it's this weird dichotomy. It's a really interesting thing that has happened um, psychologically and sociologically in this place because it's meant to be this kind of perfect idyllic space, but ultimately a lot of people are distrusting of those things. You know, we have the ideas, you know, that we get from science fiction about utopias designed and master planned. And it's like, everything's perfect. Everything works together in perfect synchronicity. But most people want their own space, their own idea of what their house is and how they decorate it and paint it and their own types of businesses and things like that. And so they feel like it lacks an individualism to it. You know, so I don't want to get too far down the anthropology road here, but it, it does. It creates a weird dichotomy. And so there are, there are fans of celebration and then there are people who are distrusting of things like that. And I mean, I don't know personally where I fall. I've never been there. Uh, I know a person that I work with whose parents have a house that, that, that live there. Um, they used to use it as a summer home. Uh, they lived in the Northeast, but now they live there full time. And I kind of get the impression that if you're not a Disney World annual pass holder that wants to go to Disney World all the time, it's probably not the place for you. But 
I don't know. Like I said, I don't, I don't know a lot of people who live there and I've never been, you know, it's had its problems. They had their own issues during the real estate bust that, that affected a large part of our country in 2008. Uh, there were tons of foreclosures. Um, they've lost about 3000 residents over the last 10 years. So, you know, their, their residency has gone down. Um, so it's weird. It's an interesting place because, like I said, on paper, it seems like a magical paradise. But in reality, something doesn't quite work. And I'm not totally sure what it is, but I, I find it very interesting and I would love to go someday. And, and I remember reading about it when I was, you know, in high school thinking, oh, my gosh, Disney's building a town. I want to live there. That's where I want to die. And, you know, now I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure if I do or not. <laughs> we'll see. That, that, so that's my, my general two cents about Celebration Florida. So I've actually been to Celebration Florida. And I actually went quite a few times during my college program when I was living in Florida. And I really enjoyed it. Now, I didn't live in the city, in that city. So I don't know how it truly is to actually live there but I will say as soon as you enter that town it's immaculate it's beautiful very well kept because I think there are you know rules that you have to abide by and you have to have your Christmas decorations down by a certain date otherwise there may be a fine things like that that they have to follow so I mean I get it but I really frequented the area called Town Center. That's where their like shops and restaurants were. And it's mm -hmm. by like a lake. And they have like Starbucks there. They have they even have like a cookie dough ice cream. It's not ice cream, but you know where you can like scoop cookie dough and eat it? You know Ooh. what I'm talking about? So they still <laughs> got some modern touches. They're not like completely out like out of the loop there, but I think it was beautiful. I would like to take VJ sometime. We passed by it. I was like, hey, mm -hmm. celebration. Did we? Yeah. One of the exits. <laughs> Anna oh, was driving but we in didn't and we exit. Like, you didn't actually yeah. get to go in it. We just saw the sign, but we didn't go in. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Also, one thing to note, and I went down this huge rabbit hole of, oh my goodness, of celebration, then Epcot, then Westcott, and then I got to mm -hmm. Jack Rather and Disneyland Hotel. So it was like, it was fun. <laughs> and I love, <laughs> like Hazen, I love Disney history. Yeah, um, nice. But something to note, the architects, a lot of them did some work at, or for Disney. So Michael Graves, he designed the post office in Celebration. He's known for the Team Disney building in Burbank. You know, the one with the seven doors and Dopey. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Cool. yeah. And the Swan and Dolphin in Walt Disney World. Oh, and nice. then Philip Johnson designed the Welcome Center in Celebration. And he's known for the Crystal Cathedral. Oh, out here. Wow. Oh, here oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, what is it called now? It's called. I think it's the Christ Cathedral or something like that. Okay. You know, what? if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was. Uh, it is It is the Christ Cathedral now. Melissa for the win. That I was is, right. <laughs> Melissa for the win, yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Also, one last thing. I can go on and on, but Robert A.M. Stern, he designed the Celebration Health Center, and he designed my favorite, the Beach Club, 
in Walt Disney World and the Boardwalk nice. and Yacht Club and the Roy E. Disney Animation Building in oh, Burbank. Wow. The one with the sorcerer hat. Yeah, with the right hat. Right the cool. freeway. <gasps> so, oh, new animation building. Yes, the cool. new animation building. So Very I thought that cool. was really cool to see all these mm -hmm. architects that had a hand in help create Celebration. Mm -hmm. I think it's worth a visit to go and just mm -hmm. see this beautiful city. I really love it. <laughs> sure. It was interesting to know, by the way, that when this was brought to Michael Eisner, when all the land for Epcot was purchased, they had all these tiny lots of land that they didn't know what to do with, essentially. And they wanted to expand Epcot. They wanted to make it bigger. Central Florida, like, they started changing all of the zoning laws and they were afraid that because of all, I'm sorry, not the zoning laws, um, the environmental laws. And Disney executives were afraid that they were going to reclaim that land because it was essentially a bunch of swampland. It was alligator infested. There, the highway that you mentioned, VJ, that you travel down, that you said, oh, uh, there's Celebration Florida, that's kind of what cuts between Celebration Florida and Walt Disney World or, mm -hmm. you know, Epcot. And so when all these environmental laws started to kick in, Disney execs were like, oh, well, we have to do something with this, but we can't expand the park because it's not good for park expansion. It won't sustain it. We can't build on it. So that's where the idea of this little town came from. And so with the idea of creating Epcot never being realized, this was kind of Michael Eisner's way of saying, well, maybe we can make an impact and see one of Walt's dreams come true. I think as a tourist, it's it's really attractive to you. And you look at it, and it's this really cool place to visit. The fact that there are no chains except for Starbucks, I mean, Starbucks, you know, with the power, right? Jumping mm -hmm. into celebration, uh, I think is really cool. I think the fact that they're all mom and pop shops keeps it really warm. You know, it keeps the idea of what Walt wanted with Main Street to happen, right? You Everybody knows each other's names and stuff. That's awesome. But again... It's a city, you know, it's a small town, it has its problems. And if you read about Celebration Florida, you're going to see those problems. And it's, mm -hmm. it's the same type of things that happen everywhere else. But the, the more I read about it, I, again, I was just fascinated with the, the whole idea of Disney saying, you know what, let's make this town. Let's try to see if we can build this mini Epcot and eventually make it bigger. And, you know, it never got bigger. But, uh, man, seriously, I again, I don't even know how this flew under my radar for so long. <laughs> it's been around for so many years, and I didn't even find out about it until I read this article about this movie theater that's been closed for a decade. Yeah, that was that was funny because we had our production meeting and you brought it up and you, you said, I read this article about this theater that Disney designed and it's closed and it's in this town called Celebration and... And we're like, yeah, and <laughs> well, I know that's your uh, what's your deal, dude. Uh, so I, I I find it fascinating, and and I I think it's cool that the Disney universe is so big that even us huge Disney nerds can still discover new things about it all the time, and I I just think that's kind of cool. Um, I think the theater issue there is really interesting because you know the theater was designed in that town to be a real central. Uh, you know, meeting point and, and focal point in the town. And it was going to be one of the major spots where people could go and be entertained. And like you said, it's been closed for a decade, basically. And a lot of the residents there are kind of, you know, bummed about that. And they, they don't know why. And, and they're frustrated with it. 
but you know, like most things, it's it's mired in business problems and corporate, you know, leases and ownerships and blah blah blah. So, you know, it's it's a weird thing, but it's it is this beautifully designed building. And, you know, AJ mentioned a lot of the designers and architects that worked on other areas of the town. The guy that designed this, um, Cesar Pelli or Peggy, I don't know how to say his last name exactly, um, is a world famous architect. You know, they brought in the best of the best to work on this town. That architect is is most famous for building the Patronus Towers in Malaysia, which, hmm. you know, for about eight years was the tallest building in the world. It's that double twin yeah. tower with the cool yeah. sky bridge at like the 80th floor or whatever. Um I mean, he's a very world famous, iconic, award winning architect, and he designed this thing. And it kind of has a, a combination of retro, modern feel to it. And it is kind of one of the most iconic points in the town. And it's been dark for many, many years at this point. And, you know, a lot of the reason is because uh, AMC, the, the movie chain, is uh, in control of it right now, they own the lease on it. But they also own the lease on the the 24 screen movie theater in Disney Springs. And, uh, you know, a lot of the problems with the theater in Celebration is it's a two screen theater. It was built in the mid 90s, which we all know that movie theaters have evolved since then. You know, they, they build them differently now than they did then, you know, with the stadium seating, with the all of the Dolby surround and all of the new projection technology and this theater being a two screen theater and really only servicing this one little town or village or whatever we want to call it. Uh, you know, I read a lot of articles and a lot of them had testimonials from the people that worked at the theater and they really just said that nobody came to the movies. And, you know, if it was a big movie, then people would show up. But for the most part, it wasn't really supported. And I think a lot of that is because you have this tiny little town. It's surrounded by a populated area, but I don't think anybody outside of celebration really felt like they could go in there and watch a movie at that theater. I think it felt like an exclusive theater. I don't know what the rules were as far as anybody just going in and watching a movie there. I didn't see anything about that, but that's kind of what struck me is that I feel like it, it felt kind of like a VIP theater where only the people that mm. lived there could go. And, you know, I read, you know, you linked an article to us, which I, th I thought was really interesting, Hazen, and it talked a lot about this. And, um, you know, I read some other articles about the fact that, you know, they were basically losing money on it from the get go. So the fact that they couldn't make it work really speaks to why it's closed. But it's really sad that they can't figure out a new way to use it. And I know that a lot of groups have kind of come in and tried to put together financing to, you know, make it into a different type of space. You know, leave the facade, the beautiful facade out there, but use it for some other community thing, some other project. And I, and I hope somebody is able to do that at some point because it is a, it's a really cool building. I encourage everybody to go look up pictures of it. Maybe we can put some in the blog post for this episode um it's it's a cool building very unique um but it it is weird it's it's one of the things that they tried that just didn't work and i think that that's the enigma of celebration because like i said in the beginning on paper this is ideal this is yeah perfection 
and on the outside it looks like it but for some reason there are parts of it that just don't seem to thrive and i find it very fascinating it's a double-edged sword right because if you live in this community where it's essentially a gated community without any gates right with that said if they reinvigorate this movie theater what do you think is going to happen? There's going to be people from outside of the community that are going to come. There's going to be an influx of people. And maybe the people that live in celebration don't want that. They want to keep mm -hmm. their community theirs. They want to keep it as small as they can. And doing something different with that space is going to bring in other people that don't necessarily live in celebration. But right. at the same time, commerce could thrive, right? So like right. I said, like any other town, it has its downfalls, it has its ups and downs. And like you said, it, it's such an interesting story to follow. If you begin to read about Celebration, be careful because there are going to be so many articles. You're going to be reading for hours because that's what yeah. happened to me. <laughs> I just true. read hours and hours and some of it's good, some of it's bad. But, you know, we're not here to talk about the bad. We're here to celebrate Celebration and the <laughs> fact that Disney Imagineering was able to put something together and kind of, you know, nudge us in the direction of this type of society where, you know, everybody can be happy one day. Mm -hmm. It's like the Oasis, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Oasis, but without the VR. So well, what I think that Celebration really shows me is it really harkens back to the greatness that was the partnership of the Disney brothers. You know, what Walt and Roy did when they built, you know, Disney animation and then turned it into, uh, you know, the, the theme park industry that they did, they had a unique uh, ability of taking, you know, Walt's dreams and Roy's know-how and practical ability to get the business side done and they they just work together to create insanely incredible magical places and and movies and things and and you know what has created this giant universe of fandom that we all know and love and that mix may never happen again and mm -hmm. the disney company that they built thrives after them and it uses their ideals and it builds on them. But what they were able to do, they caught lightning in a bottle whenever they wanted, basically. Like they just could do that whenever they wanted. And the Disney company tries to do that. And, and they do succeed a lot of the times building on those ideals that they gave the company. But sometimes it just doesn't quite work. And I think that uh, it's really, it's not necessarily a, a dig at Disney. And, you know, maybe they didn't succeed as well in an area that we thought they would but it really to me speaks more positively to just how amazing Walt and Roy were and the things mm -hmm. that they created that built this foundation that allowed the Disney company in the 90s to say well let's try it let's try Walt's idea and let's build yeah. a town let's just do it and if they had never put that idea in place then it it probably never would have happened anyway so right. I, I think all of this to me just speaks to how amazing of a mind Walt Disney had and how incredible of a partnership he had with his brother to just make all of it work. And, and that to me just, I, I love that. I, I love those, 
those two guys and, and what they gave to the world because I feel like they left a hugely positive effect on the world. It was the idea of allowing yourself to fail if mm-hmm. and if it didn't work just moving on and trying something else right that's that's yep. how walt worked if something didn't work for him he was the first one to say look plus it change it do something yep. different with that area do something right. different which is why the whole idea of changing the redhead to a pirate i'm not against it right we've right. had this conversation before but i mean it's different dynamic right that was sure. a two-person conversation versus having a corporation trying to make a decision this right? is true which is why when i talk to bobby i try to tell him look dude <laughs> this is what i think you should do this is how i think it'll work and you know sometimes he takes me up on those things like the monorail wraps right like uh, i mean they are what they are <laughs> but uh that's just how it works it's a corporation thing but yeah. I was going to say, was Radiator Springs based off of Celebration Florida? <laughs> like, nobody's visiting <laughs> it because they're all going to Disney Springs. and <laughs> Yeah, the freeway bypasses them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I think I'm you sure. hit on a good point, Hazen, because I think that the idea of plussing Celebration might need to happen. And in any community outside of, you know, master plan communities, they have to evolve and change or they die. They become ghost towns like Radiator Springs. It's a great yeah. example, VJ. Uh, so I, I feel like a lot of the questions that are out there and the articles that are talking about celebration as possibly a failed experiment might be a little short sighted. And yeah. I feel like they can they can do things to make it work. And it's just a matter of you know, being willing to evolve and, and change and add and invest and, you know, do the work. And just like any community, you have to kind of maintain it. You have to keep moving forward. Yeah. Prior to this recording, I was looking up all the articles and everything like that. And I also went on to Celebration's website and they have, they keep it pretty updated and they have tons of activities and groups Mm -hmm. and programs that they keep up with and they also have like festivals like in April it says that there's an exotic car festival there's Mm -hmm. um, a memorial Memorial Day flag celebration on May 26th Independence Day parade so they have tons of activities and and things that will draw people to the city already so I I think that's great that they're still trying to do that I think they even do a Radio Disney holiday concert every year there, which that would be awesome. I would love to go to that. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, Oktoberfest. Founder- nice. Wait, they have an Oktoberfest <laughs> too? Founders Day that's celebration? Cool. Yes. So, yeah. They- Stanley has his own day? Oh, that's, <laughs> that's going to be in 2019 when yes. Celebration celebrates its 21st anniversary. Oh, wow. wow. So, AJ, when you've visited Celebration Florida, like, you've been there more than a couple times, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. What were your favorite things to do? We always just went to Town Center and just walked around that little lake. Town Center is where the theater is located, right? Yes, that's yeah. right. So, mm-hmm. I remember seeing it, but I'm pretty sure it was closed by that time. It closed in 2010, I believe. Yeah, so I was I was there in 2012 and after. So it was closed. Uh, I would always go to the tavern. There's a restaurant there. It's called a something something tavern, and they had really good bread pudding. 
Hawks if you ever in celebration. Nice. <laughs> Go get that. Uh, my friend worked at the Bohemian Hotel as a chef. And that hotel is beautiful. It's just right there in town center. And I want to stay there. Cool. <laughs> so that was, that was like a couple of things that we would do. When I you have pictures. When, I don't have pictures. When you drive around um, the city, did all the streets look the same? Like how I'm trying to how how big is this community? It is. It's ten square miles. There you go. Uh, oh wow. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's huge. So it's it's, it's pretty big. Yeah. It didn't um, seem like that when we were passing it on the freeway. I think there's a total of eight villages. There's like there's north, south, east, and west village, and then there's like there's a celebration village. There's a town lake village. There's a bunch of villages. I think there's eight villages. So each one of those villages is like a full neighborhood. Uh, oh, wow. with, with multiple streets and avenues through it. Mm-hmm. And it's all kind of centered around the one main drag that goes through town center that AJ is talking about. Oh, so town center is so like pretty, their hub. It's pretty large. Yeah. It's like yeah. their hub. It's yeah. kind of like their cultural. Yeah. It's not necessarily right in the middle, but it's kind of where all roads lead to town center basically. Hmm. That's fascinating. We yeah. have BJ's but attention. Most of the, are we going to save the clock tower now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> most of the 10 square miles, though, are taken up by the lakes and the golf courses, too, right? Uh, golf courses take up a lot of it. The lake's actually not that big yeah, it's not... in comparison with the, oh, really? the land space. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you look at uh, amenities on the town website or community website, whatever you want to call it, if you don't like golfing and going to parks, uh, that might not be the town for you because that's that's largely what it is. Aside from all the great events and activities that they do, which that's the part that makes it kind of cool, is that they do lots of community events, and uh, you know I think that's what makes it a neat place to be. Is is that you know and being you know a hop, skip, and a jump away from Disney World. Yeah. I would love to visit it just to move away from the big city, <laughs> you know, and, and go somewhere where it's quiet, where you can write a book and ride know, a bike. Or take some photos, ride a bike, oh walk from one end of the of the town to the other within an hour. I mean, if you walk 10 miles an hour, I don't know. But we had, you know, when we posted about a celebration on our Instagram account, we actually had some people. Uh, respond we had listener Corey say uh, i have lived there and have family that lives there for the money it's the greatest small town on planet earth Uh, we had listener kaz comment we went to the post office as i had a parcel to mail then wandered down the street and had lunch at the celebration tavern nice spot for sitting on the terrace and watching the world go by with a cold beer the food and service is great too she had me at beer (laughs) (laughs) as soon as she said food and beer what about the bread pudding she didn't mention the bread pudding (laughs) so yeah i mean like i said I think when we finally head down to Florida, it might be somewhere <laughs> that we have to make a stop. You know, in come on, Hazen. Because... We all know you're just going to do a Google tour. Let's be honest, no, bro. I... <laughs> Let's be no, real. I mean, look, 
We're actually Bruh. planning to Bruh. go to Florida now. We just need to knock him out and put him on a plane. <laughs> oh my God, and he'll wake funny. up in Florida. He'll be pissed off for a minute, but then he'll be, be cool happy. with it. Wow. <laughs> just have It'll be more like three hand. seconds because you knocked me out. Yes. Yeah. Smelly if salt, you wake me up with like of... a smelling churro, yeah. just like wave it over my nose. It's like, exactly. what is that? What is that? Where am I? Disneyland? What? What is this? Cinderella's castle. Why is it so humid? <laughs> Guys. Guys, I'm hot. Why am I I'm sticky. What is this wristband? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, if you guys have any comments about visiting uh, Celebration Florida, let us know in the blog post for the episode or on the Instagram or Facebook post. Uh, if you guys had any particularly good food in the tavern, like the bread pudding, let us know. I mean, the bread pudding might not be there anymore. It's been, you know, a, a handful of years since AJ tried it. But, I mean, look, when I heard beer and food, I was like, let's do this. I'm all for this. Who knows? They might have a really good bacon burger because I'm all for bacon in my burgers. I mean, who knows? We'll see. <laughs> you know how you mentioned the monorail, monorail wraps? And, you know, there's two that have debuted, which are yes. pretty, pretty cool. But we're still waiting for the... Stop it. Okay, Debbie Downer. I think they're... Hazen's going to hate. I'm cool. Downer. All right, That's go ahead and finish. That's what Downer's saying. All right. All passive-aggressive. Well, Downer says what? Two. <laughs> We've got two that debuted. And we have the Monorail Blue, which was the EAC with Nemo and Crush and Squirt. And if you look on the back... If you had a chance to see it, you'll see Hank, which is really, really awesome. We also have the Monorail Orange that debuted. That has the Incredibles, which I really, really like how they designed it. Sorry, Hazen. I think you're wrong. So <laughs> He is wrong. Not Hank. He, he is hasn't wrong. even seen um, it in person. I know. Right. It, it's a I've different... seen pictures. Oh, my God. That is no, not you judging a Monorail by its covers. Aww. Uh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so in the front of the orange uh, monorail, you see the Incredibles. You've got them on the side, on the right left side, hand side I believe. Left hand left side, hand thank side, you. Yeah. Right hand side, you've got Frozone, which That's is right. awesome because he deserves you know his own spotlight as well. Yeah. Now, the back of that monorail, you've got Edna Mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she deserves a lot of love. <laughs> She's back there to make sure there's no cape on the back of the monorail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the cool thing about this is that you're seeing two. You know we have three. We've got monorail, monorail red, and we haven't seen anything come up. It Til hasn't tomorrow. debuted. <laughs> yeah. I know. Watch it. We're talking about it, so it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, let's let's make predictions and then see which right? one comes true tomorrow. <laughs> Can we say what, what date it is, though? <laughs> it's the 8th right now, so when it comes out on the 9th. <laughs> yeah. Timestamp it. <laughs> we can prove that we're future predictors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say with uh, Melissa, though, with Frozone having his own side of the monorail, and when you're looking at the monorail pass by and you see Frozone, it looks like he's just gliding across. Like, he's yeah. So cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty he's cool. He's the coolest. But I Hazen wouldn't know. He hasn't seen it. Um, Hazen, it's like this. Yeah, I have. I saw pictures. Not Doesn't pictures. Count. Not in real life, bro. I saw pictures. You're living in the oasis. I, I will... It doesn't count. <laughs> Join us so in look, reality. I will say. I will say that I have to agree with Frozone, right? 
because of the nature of his character and because mm-hmm. of the way that the monorail moves, it really does look like he's gliding around on the monorail track. So I completely agree with that. I think that does look cool. I was going to say the one cool thing about the monorail orange is if you see the colors and how they like track out and they keep going, it reminds me of the light cycles from <sighs> Dawn. Oh, yeah. Yes. It does. <laughs> yeah, it's and so cool. that would make sense like for for Dash, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's my biggest problem with how these were designed that I almost feel like whenever they designed the vinyl wraps for the monorails at Disney World that I hate to say it like this, but they put a little bit more effort into them. And Ooh. it might have to do with how much more they travel and the way that they're used more as a transportation tool than they are as a cool ride around the the resort, right? Mm -hmm. And that might have to do with it. It's more of an advertisement. The Nemo one here on Monorail Blue, I think the synergy behind the colors and the, the property that they chose is just so beautiful. I love the aesthetic of what the Nemo, like, the i want to call them stickers but i no. love the vinyl that they used uh, for Nemo on monorail blue monorail red you know we're still waiting to see what it is uh i i think we all have our predictions and i think we're all in the same wavelength on what we think it's going to be it is a pity that we don't have other colors running on the monorail because i think you lose out on certain properties um mm-hmm. just creating that visual appeal with the colors that they bring to the table monorail orange i think was the easiest one it's uh, uh, baffling to me that because the incredibles are so red in their costumes that they didn't save that for red and they used it for orange i think it they could have done that but I, i don't know i just think that for the most part they did the bare minimum for Pixar Fest when it comes to these vinyl kind of wraps. So I got a question. This, what we're seeing now in pictures, as you're seeing in pictures, isn't that a step up from when we had the monorails as the um, cars vehicles from Radiator Springs for Cars Land? Uh, kind of. I mean, it's a totally what? different thing, though, because with the <laughs> when they were advertising radiator springs or Mm -hmm. the cars like world it's a vehicle with eyeballs right all you have to do is add eyeballs to the monorail and boom you have a vehicle from that world but this is totally different nah i mean it's totally (laughs) different because to me you are taking the essence of a vehicle and giving it life by adding that smile and that face to the front of it. You're already in that world by adding something so simple. In this case, you're slapping on the characters and that's cool, seeing the characters glide around Disneyland. But when they did like the Iron Man vinyl, like it was an entire rap (laughs) that had like the blasting rocket thrusters and Iron Man shooting through. When they did the Tron light cycles, it was completely wrapped in black and you saw the streaks of light. It looked like a light cycle just flying through the track. This doesn't look like that. This looks like stickers on the side of the monorail to me. And I know I'm nitpicking. I'm just saying. Yeah, you are. I I don't feel (laughs) like they really put much into this one. Would you prefer that they be fully wrapped? Like you not see the underlying color? You just want to fully re-themed? Yes. Yes. Okay. That makes sense to me. And I I can see that. 
I mean, we all get tired of you talking about your boyfriend, Iron Man, but I get that those those raps were, were they were a little more fully realized. I get wow. that. But for what they're trying to go for here, I think it's kind of cool. I, I like that they're just bringing in elements like the EAC is kind of like waving yeah. down through yeah. the mm-hmm. monorail. And I kind of like that, you know. And like Melissa said, the streaks of color for the Incredibles who were just racing to, you know, fight some crime or whatever. I think that's cool. And, you know, I haven't seen any of these things in person. I've never seen a modified monorail in my life. I've never been there at the right moment to see one of these things. So I can't attest to any of them in person. But, I mean, just seeing the pictures, I kind of dig what they're doing. Uh, I, I, I get what you're saying though. It would be cool to see a more fully themed monorail, you know, like what if they wrapped it to look like it was, you know, uh, Wally, like the whole thing was like Wally or something like that. Uh, that, that could be cool. Or, or Eva, you know, as one white monorail, that could be really cool. But I don't know with what they're doing. I kind of, I kind of dig it. You know, they're, they're doing this Pixar fest and they're trying to incorporate everything from the Pixar universe. You know, we've seen little glimpses of the fireworks show. So we know that buzz is going to be there. We know the up house is going to be there, but maybe not every single character from the Pixar universe is going to be in that show. Maybe Mm -hmm. some of them are going to be represented on just a monorail or, you know, just this thing over here or just this food (gasps) offering here. You know, I I feel like they're just kind of hitting on different areas. And so, I I mean, I I don't know. I kind of get it. They're trying to put as many characters out there from the Pixar universe as possible. And I think this is one way to do it. And I think that if you had a fully wrapped, you know, skin around these monorails, it might, you know, like, I think the best example you already brought up that Iron Man one, it, it basically looked like it was built like an Iron Man kind of costume almost. And yeah. if you were to do something like that with this, you'd kind of limit it to that one character, you know? Uh, if they were doing Avengers Fest, you wouldn't necessarily want it to just be one, well, you would, Hazen, but you wouldn't <laughs> want just one monorail just for Iron Man. You'd want it for like him and a bunch of other Avengers. I think. that That's just what I think. Yeah. I think there's a tactical way to do it, right? I just, like I said... I think really what bugs me is the point that you brought up, Gavin, that it's not a full wrap because mm-hmm. they've put so much more into creating the full wraps on the Disney World monorails that I think giving us that experience would just make it seem more cohesive other than just adding like Edna. She's just kind of stuck on a window there and it makes it look like she's traveling on the monorail. I know you guys are all about that and it's cool to see her just kind of hanging out in the back of the monorail but still, there's a cohesiveness that's missing in these vinyl wraps. Yeah, I, I don't, that's I don't why know. I like the Nemo she's one like so much. Part of the main thing now, like. She's oh, I know. I, Edna plays such a huge part in The Incredibles too. I mean, a lot of it is all around Edna, right? Yeah. Like, really, that she's the basis of this upcoming story. But I think that's why I love Monorail Blue so much more than Orange right now because the colors mix a lot more together and you get 
like you say, when you're looking at the EAC just kind of waving through, it looks like it's a scene from Nemo. This doesn't look like a scene from The Incredibles to me. It looks like stickers on the side of the monorail. But the colors are <laughs> complementary to each other. Yes. Hazen's uh, gonna hate. So here's... I think so, we okay, have so, the title of the episode. Hazen's gonna hate. Stickers on the side of the monorail? <laughs> no. Yeah, stickers on the side of the monorail. No, Hazen's gonna hate. <laughs> well, you know what? I I think they should have done more. All right. I mean, so, look, I'm not hating on them. So okay. What is I'm, your idea? I know it sounds like it. I'm not because it's a difficult thing to do. Okay. It is. I understand. Designing <laughs> designing wraps for vehicles is a difficult thing to do, and creating a character to just put on the side of something is much easier than designing the entire design that's going to wrap around because creating an entire wraparound design that you you have to create a seamless texture for the background you have to make it look like it belongs and that is a very difficult thing to do so as a designer i could tell you it, i wouldn't want that task for the monorails right I'm just saying that if The Incredibles is really what's kind of gearing all of this, like you have at Walt Disney World, that's kind of what's leading their their version of Pixar Fest. They're doing The Incredible Summer. Here, it's all about The Incredicoaster. It's all about, like, that's really what they're going to be pushing this summer with the release of The Incredibles 2. Mm -hmm. I just think they could have done a little bit more to wrap that monorail. Okay, so what, now, what let me else would let me get a point added? of clarification in here though, because I feel like there's a fundamental difference in the design of Disney World monorails that Disneyland doesn't have. In Disneyland, it has open windows, right? Right. In Disney World, I don't think there are any open windows, and that that changes the game a little bit right. because you can have a seamless wrap that goes all the way around over the windows. And mm -hmm. that can't happen at Disneyland. So I think there are some limitations there that we have to give credence to. But I think we're now to the point where we need to hear what the idea is for the red one. Yes. So I, let, let's talk about what we think they should do for this last one, because maybe it will be the crown jewel in the monorail pantheon for Pixar Fest. <laughs> It'll probably just let down Hazen, so... <laughs> unless he predicts the winner you know what would make me happy for monorail red and this is going to sound completely contradictory to what i'm saying but i'm going to tell you why i feel it's going to work detail a part of me wants to say that they're going to deck it out with some kind of coco graphics right because coco was the last large film that pixar released and that it's going to be kind of like coco but Going back to what Gavin was saying about how much they want to push out all of the characters as many as possible, represent as many for Pixar Fest, the only way that I feel I would be okay with just accepting a bunch of stickers on the side of it, I'm, I'm quoting from Cars now, is if they had all of the characters from the Pixar universe kind of hanging out, just like standing there together as a family. Ooh. And if they had all of the characters on the side of the monorail or one side had half the characters, the other side had the other half, like Mike Wazowski standing next to Wally and, you know, Carl and Kevin and Russell, you know, hanging out with Boo and Sully. Like, I think having them cohesively as a Pixar family on both sides of monorail red, I would be OK with that because they don't have to create a world or an entire rap, you're just representing the characters. So would the characters be on the side? 
Because I was thinking the same yeah. thing, but I was thinking they were just kind of like the Edna Mode one, where all the characters were just in each like in different cars. So it looked like yeah. they were all just riding in the monorail. But you oh, want them outside? In the windows. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, yeah. you could look in and you're like, hey, Mike Wazowski and Sully are riding in the front of the monorail. or, But you want them on the side. Like, you want to see their whole figure. Yeah, I mean, as close as possible. I think seeing them on the side of the monorail at scale, you know, uh, all compared next to each other, sitting there, kind of like, yeah, we're all from different <laughs> films, but we're all from the same universe, right? I think would just be a cool thing. Poor flick. <laughs> but you could have a, you could have a magnifying glass and see Flick's face. Oh. That'd be cool. Magnifying glass would be cool. But to scale, I'd be like, oh, what? That's it. So would you include the characters that are on the other two monorails? Yeah. Yeah, that Why? would be redundant. That'd be weird. So they get special I would treatment. do it anyway. <laughs> you get special treatment. No. I would do it anyway. Okay, fine. Keep them out. Be be mean to them. They're not part of the family. You're being mean to them right now. Oh, <laughs> All right, Bobby. Hazen doesn't like the rap, so just take it down. Just keep them normal. That's what I'm saying. Just put big sticker they that says Pixar Fest. Nice, and this is what happens. So, what would you guys put on Monorail Red? I was I was gonna say it's either Coco or my, but my guess is gonna be Toy Story. If they're just gonna do one property, mm. because Toy Story is gonna be that makes sense. The main one. Also. Also, when you think of red, I think of Lightning McQueen. Just put one ninety-five sticker on it, and that's it. <laughs> that's right, it. <laughs> one lightning awesome. bolt and Do one big ninety-five. Do you think they would go with lightning, considering they've already done a cars theme monorail? Like, you don't think that they would see it as recycling an idea? Uh, it's Pixar. It's I don't Pixar. think they'll do it. It's Pixar Fest. I could see them flipping the colors because you know how the Incredibles are on the orange. Mm-hmm. So if they were to do Coco. I would think that they're going to be doing, like, the bottom would be the bridge. And you would see Miguel and you would see the family, like, towards the back. I don't know who's going to be writing in the back. Mm. Maybe Dante. That'd be cool. On the side, um, I see the rest of the family members, maybe. So writing it or how do you envision this? Yeah, they're not riding the monorail. So but you, you would see, see them like, on the, the side flowers of the, of the bridge, yes. like, right. wrapping the bottom of the monorail. So what you're saying is you want what you yes. would want more design cohesiveness on the entire wrap. Give <laughs> me stickers. I like the stickers. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> How about one side of the monorail will be regular Coco, and the other side would be like the skeleton and like. Oh, oh okay. Nice. I like I that. I like that. That's okay. a fantastic idea. Okay. <laughs> There's the cohesiveness. So, so here, here's what I thought of what the if we could go back in the time machine and talk to Bobby, you know, eight months <laughs> ago, this is what they should have done going into the release of Coco at Disneyland. They should have wrapped the entire monorail track from top to to where it meets the ground in marigolds. And then painted all the monorails black and had all the Coco characters on the outside of them. And there should have just been a park-wide Coco Marigold Bridge. And that would have been the greatest thing that has ever existed. Marigold And then to confuse the people, 
they'll serve but hot they, cocoa they, to everybody just cocoa. to throw them right. off. <laughs> <laughs> they missed their opportunity. Hey, oh, okay, I just sent him a text message. <laughs> okay, cool. Maybe that's, for one day. That's the limitation is that they've never done anything part to two. wrap the tracks. <laughs> and I think that's what holds them back from true theming. We love it's you, a struggle. Oh, oh no, it's a struggle. I, I get it. Even though you're wrong. But I... <laughs> My Even pick, though, though for Pixar Fest for the red monorail is definitely Cars. And I need number 95, Lightning McQueen, to be leading the at the front of the car, just <laughs> leading it. And then a whole train of cars. I picture Ramon painting it up with some custom paint job. We can do a full wrap. Candy and it's apple all red. like pinstripes. Ramon Aww. designed, like cool, retro, awesome car details. Yeah, something, something funky and cool like we know Ramon can do. And then just all the denizens of Radiator Springs on either side of it. It's got to be cars, man. Like, that's that's what it is. It's got to be. It's got to be cars. Mac is going to be on the yeah, back window. Mac can be in there. I mean, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I, I, that's what I want it to be is cars because cars is still probably my favorite Pixar movie. But I, I get the, the Coco argument. I think that's totally valid. And I think that's logically where they probably will go. But I would love to see all my Radiator, Stri- Radiator Springs peeps cruising across the monorail. I would re- really like that. Dude, how awesome would it be if they figured out how to attach, like, a, like a little, make a little attachment for the monorail, right? So that mm-hmm. it, it could only travel in one direction, but lightning was the monorail, and behind it was Miss Fritter. So it looks like Miss Fritter's just like chasing lightning on the on the monorail track, right? I like oh, it. Gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. All right, AJ, what about amazing. you? Yes. I was thinking it's gonna be Coco. I'm in. Um another guess would be I thought you'd pick Ratatouille. Cars. Ratatouille, nice. I, I mean, I would like that, but I don't think that's what they're going to choose. Yeah, that'd be hard to do. I mean, it'd be cool to have like a, a Paris like skyline yeah. across that the would whole be cool. thing. A and then like wrap? Remy perched oh, on top that would of the be building. Actually sweet. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. That'd yeah. be really, that'd be oh, really yeah. cool if they did one for with Remy for the Food and Wine Festival. Yeah, yeah that's, cool. that's true. He should be like the mascot for every food and wine festival. It's <laughs> Remy. It should be him. He should be like the well, dude. Yeah, sometimes they switch it up at Epcot's food and wine festival. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah. Gavin, you gave me a really good idea. No, was it, was it you that talked about it? I can't remember. But anyways, so I'm wondering, like during Pyro because they're going to have the projections. I wonder if we're going to see a Frozone go through, and the, you know they have the snow machines. Yes. And the only reason I'm bringing this up right now is because mm. I totally remember that they have the bubble machines over by Small World Mall. Mm-hmm. So I'm like wondering, I'm like, hmm, can they do that on Main Street? That'd be awesome. If he's like going nice. through and you just see yeah. snow. That would be so cool. I found I found totally a random. picture that Carry I'm gonna on. share with you guys. I'll put it up in the blog post. Like Maybe it. I'll even make it the the image for the for the episode title card. But I kind of saw something similar when Disney Infinity was first released, and that's kind of what made me feel like this is how they should represent Pixar Fest by having all the characters together. 
And I think that having the characters to scale would be really important in showing the vastness of the Pixar universe. Okay, so tomorrow when Disney Parks blog reveals what red monorail (laughs) is going to be and and whichever one of us is right, do we get a prize? Like, have we, like, put in a pool of, of money or something? Like... Like, do I win a hundred dollars when it's cars? Um, how about you win a beer? Oh, that's... <laughs> uh, I'll take it. I like it. I was gonna settle for a churro. Okay, yeah. You know, I mean, it's look. really just gonna be the Luxo ball <laughs> get... that says Pixar Fest on the side. That's all it's gonna be. Oh, dude, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you get beer and tacos. tacos. How about that? I said cars too. <laughs> oh, you know what? Like Actually, <laughs> I, I I liked Hazen's idea, but I had a thought that there's going to be something that we all know and love from Pixar that is probably going to get little to no love whatsoever during Pixar Fest. And that is the tradition of Pixar shorts. So it might be even cooler to have a monorail with all of the characters from the Mm. Pixar shorts on it because they don't get any love. You know, it's like we all kind of know and love them and and we see them on our Blu-rays if we remember to watch the extras. But as like they don't live on really like the films do. And I think that would be really cool. A super awesome homage to the amazing artists at Pixar because that's a lot of how the Pixar artists like, you know, really – earn their stripes is by creating those short films and the ones that get to be in front of a Pixar movie are always incredible. So I think maybe the Pixar short characters (laughs) would be a good idea for the podcast. That should actually be on the, what's the one thing um, that's late at night. You'll see on the monorail track kind of like, kind of reminds me of the, what are those things in hockey? The Zamboni Zamboni. You know that little Zamboni thing that goes around the monorail track? <laughs> it'll it'll have its own Pucks? final wrap. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. Because oh. <laughs> it's short, it'll yeah. be a Pixar short. <laughs> I think that should just be Wally because it's like Wally cleaning up after, right? No, it should just be that oh. little robot cleaner yeah, from Wally. Mo. Mo. Oh, Mo. Yes. yes. <laughs> Mo. <laughs> that oh my would God, be that would be great. <laughs> That'd All right, VJ, let me send Bobby a text message. Here we go. All right. Yes, please. You're sending him a lot of texts tonight. <laughs> That's awesome. He's like, why are you blowing up my phone? Let me sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, I He said rap. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> pun intended, right? <laughs> So normally I would ask everybody to leave a comment about what you think is going to be on Monorail Red. But quite honestly, by the time this episode releases, I think we're going to know what's going to be on Monorail Red because that's just the way things work for us. We think of something and boom, the next day it gets released. So anyhow, you know, let's see who's right and who's going to get tacos and beer. I predict it's going to be all of us and we're all somehow going to win. Because, I mean, who doesn't win with tacos and beer, right? I think that's just just how it goes. So, anyhow, before we wrap up the podcast, I just want to remind you guys that if you guys want to find a little bit more about us, just head over to podcasters.com slash team. There you'll find all of our social links, you know, including a couple of 
fun facts about us, like who our favorite characters are, stuff like that. You'll find uh, our YouTube channels, our Instagram pages, all that good stuff. So head on over, like, subscribe, hit all those good links. Make sure that you go to youtube.com slash podcateers, hit that subscribe button and ring that little bell you know, so that you get notifications, head on over to youtube.com slash Disney for two. Subscribe if you're not already subscribed and ring that bell so that you get those notifications as well. Also, I want to remind you guys that this episode of Podcasters is brought to you by listeners just like you. We love to call those listeners our fairy godparents. They help making these episodes possible. And if you want to become a fairy godparent of our podcast, you can do so for as little as $1 a month by going over to podcasters.com slash FGP for more information and a link to sign up. All of our fairy godparents are currently listed on that page. And any of them that have any particular project that they are working on, whether it's an Etsy shop, a podcast, what, whatever it is, those names are, are linked to their projects. So you can hover over the names and click on them and be taken over to what they're doing. Uh, just a small thank you for the help that they provide for us on a monthly basis. If you sign up for at least a contribution of $5 a month, you will also get the exclusive Fairy Godparent button as a thank you for your support. We're working on different incentives right now for our fairy godparents, including, um, I mean, should I talk about that we're possibly designing a Podcateers pin? (gasps) Oh, no. Did I just let the cat out of the bag? Anyway, more information on that is coming up. So if you want more information, again, Podcateers.com slash FGP is the way to go. Plus, if you shop on Amazon... A great way to help us out is by starting that journey off at podcasters.com slash Amazon. On that page, you're going to find a ridiculously large Amazon button. I mean, it's it's really much larger than it should be for the page, but <laughs> it's so comically large that you look at it and you think, really, this is ridiculous. And it makes you want to click it because you're like, wow, this is a novelty button. And then you click it and guess what it does? It takes you to Amazon. But it does it with our special (laughs) link, and anything that you purchase while they're using our link may earn us a small commission. And for everybody that's taking a few extra seconds to help us out in that way, thank you very much. We truly appreciate that support as well. Anything else, guys, before we we close up shop for today? Yay, I finally get to say this. When this episode drops, we will be 48 hours before Paint the Night Returns. And (laughs) yay! I can't wait. And some of us will be there. Come find us. We don't bite. I promise. No, we don't bite. But we are fairly friendly. I mean, unless you catch me like right in the middle of a churro bite, then I mean, I might be like, (laughs) what's going on? Like, no, stay away. Catch Hazen outside. How about that? (laughs) 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 Okay. Yeah, I'm so excited that Paint the Night is finally coming back. It's going to be nice seeing it in a different park. Going to be something new, something different, even though it's the same. It's going to feel new. And I I don't know if I've told you guys, but we actually have reservations to do the Paint the Night lunch thing. Uh, I was going to say, did anybody get that? Yeah, we have it. But we, it was sold out the first weekend, so I think we're doing it the weekend after. Uh, but I'm wow. excited to see how that's going to go, and I'm, I'm excited to see what the seating is going to be like. So uh, look for that in an upcoming episode when I give my review of that. And cool. I think that's it, guys. We good? Is this yeah. Pixar Fest? Here we come. Whee! So until Ciao. next week, here is to Beer Shoes and Mickey Ears. Have a fantastic week, everyone. Adios.
Hi. Friends forever. <laughs> well, are we back to Zack Attack? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I wanted to sing it, but I wanted all of us to sing it. <laughs> mm-hmm.